listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. You are live with Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank, and you are in for another fine show. Tonight we have a whole slew of great guests in the studio, as well as the fabulous Judy Carter calling in. She's known all throughout the country for her books, her CDs, and the workshops that she does all over the country. I know she's got some workshops coming up in New York. We also have Paul Solio in the studio. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing fantastic. How That's are you, right. You're Mr. doing fantastic because I fed you two beers before you came here, you, <laughs> you bastard. You did. You got that, like cheeky rosy smile on very loose there you go now paul's been around the tampa bay area doing comedy he goes all throughout the state of florida very funny guy for the last you've been doing it for years now right you're coming up on 10 years almost no a little over five a little over five you should have just embellished nobody knows i would have sounded bastard i'm not jaded enough Lie for me. I'm fat davy this is the let's be frank show i've been in this for 30 years yeah all of a sudden, you, you, now you sound like you've been smoking cigarettes for 30 years. I used to write for any young man. And we got Ken Roberts of the Comedy Sandwich Show on Comedy Slam Radio in the house. Hello, everyone. Does this work? No. Do you work? You work here, dude. <laughs> Does that one work? Oh, yeah. All right. Good. Great. Does this one not work? No, it works. It does? Oh, hey, hey, okay. This one there is live go. now, too. Okay, you know, we're cool. always going through, over, as you know, we're always going through upgrades, and we just got all new computers, so our boy genius team of engineers are working through any little quirks, but they will get them going. We actually have a cool phone call coming in today, guys. Aside from Judy Carter, I established a little bit of a friendship with uh, a Denise Cortina, who has uh, artistic vibes down in southern Florida. And it's a room that she's expanding on. It does a lot of open mics and all sorts of things tied to comedy. But she's expanded a lot. She's going to call in a couple of minutes to tell us about that. But uh, both of you guys have already heard about Judy Carter, right? I did. I read the book, Stand Up really? Comedy. I read it. Oh, man. I feel, I feel behind on this oh. because I, I, have, I have not. All right. Well, Judy Carter's all around the United States, and she's done comedy workshops, all sorts of great stuff. I know you didn't know what was going to be going on in the show. You just happened to have moved on to Monday night, so you're here hanging out, and I said you should come and chill out with us and be on the show. I have, I have a lot to learn on this show. No, this, yes. not, this, looks really, this looks really great. Yeah, I mean, she's been doing – oh, we got our first call. Let's go ahead and take our first call. You are live on the air with the Let's Be Frank show with Fat Davey, Dave Frank. Who we got on the air? It's Denise Cortina. Hey, Denise. How are you? I was just spreading the word that you were going to be calling in tonight from Artistic Vibes. I know. How you doing? Super, super excited. How's everybody doing? Not too bad. I got Great. Kent Roberts Fantastic. here Thank and you. Paul Solio. Hi, Denise. I know. I can see them. Oh, you're I know wa- they can't see me, but You're watching us good. live. There you go. <laughs> can you see the glisten on Fat Davy's head? Because it's warm in the studio with all this man heat and hot breath. A lot of testosterone. There you go. You, you need to get a close-up of the pores. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing, Denise? I'm doing great, hanging out here in Miami, or should I say Hialeah? If anybody knows South Florida, you know, <laughs> Hialeah is more Miami, I think, than anything else. <laughs> there you go. So we, I was just telling everybody about Artistic Vibes. Tell everybody, you know, 
a little rundown of what Artistic Vibes is and where they can find you. Artistic Vibes is a performing arts production company, and what we do is we produce various live showcases that include everything from music to comedy, poetry, dance, pretty much any form of entertainment that can be performed on a stage. We try to showcase it through the local art scenes here in South Florida. We've had a few venues open, and now we're recently expanding, so we opened our own venue. So we'll be doing all different kinds of theme nights throughout different months and weeks in the next upcoming months to come. And this all started out of your own comedy career? No, actually, Artistic Vibes started with two of my friends from middle school. I've known them for like 13 years. And it's uh, Stephanie Rodriguez and Vanessa Thompson. And they decided to put something together because they got really bored of going places and having to go to six different places to go do something. So you have to go to dinner here one night and then go to the comedy show and then go watch a poetry thing. And everybody got tired of just driving everywhere. So they asked me to host an event for them, their first event, and I've been with them ever since. There you go. So now everybody can get drunk and sing songs and be merry together. Yes, we, we do. We get quite inebriated, actually. Actually, most of the time I do. Not kind of Stephanie. Alcohol makes everything funnier. I'm so. usually pretty drunk. <laughs> nice. That's very open. Yes. Now, quite inebriated. Yes. Every night, actually. Now, I'm going to let everybody know, and I know you, I, I'm pretty sure you don't care, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. If you ever meet me, you could bitch slap me if it was bad. But uh, one of the reasons okay. that I think I, I, I think I reached out to you, it was months ago. I don't know who reached out to who first, but I think I reached out to you. And one of the most curious things I found was that big-ass chest tattoo. What is going on, girl, with that? Yes. that is, what is that? <laughs> That's like I rock star. I started getting tattooed when I was 18. And how old are you now? I've been getting tattooed since I was 18. I'm going to be 28 now, so right. about almost 10 years now. So, so what's that tattoo of on your chest? Actually, I started getting tattooed even more when I got out of the service. I was in the Navy, and I got the chest piece. My chest piece actually is about my parents. My parents got divorced when I was three. So instead of doing, like, the really cliche big heart with the banner that says mom and dad, I decided to just rip the heart in half and do, like, this huge piece on my chest, which probably wasn't the brightest idea in hindsight. <laughs> It's 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 very uh, attractive. It, it definitely attacks the attention of everybody, I would think. I mean, I already have big boobs, so I was like, hey, I already have big boobs. You're going to look at me anyway, so might as well just put a giant tattoo there. Yeah, why not? Well, this, yeah, this way, uh, give uh, us an out to say, no, I was looking at this tattoo. That was very cur- courteous of you. I guess I Can we? Tattoo out. Why, why, is, why is technology not, not allow us to see you? Uh, What's wrong with this world? Um, yeah, you could, you could because see I'm it on here. the phone. We could have Skype. Oh, Skype. We could have had a moment. Yes. You know, that would have been nice. I, I could show them your picture I'm on especially Facebook. especially liking his blue shirt. <laughs> there you go. My blue I'm that's afraid you. if you show him pictures. What are you afraid I'm of? I'm afraid with the reaction what's going to happen when people see them. <laughs> They're going to see a hot chick with a big-ass tattoo on her tits. It's going to be great. I think that's why... I, I think that's why I've done so well in comedy. Nobody's actually listening to me. They're just staring at my tits and my tattoos. There you go. Whatever it takes, Whatever man. God's given you talent-wise, that's that's what we're taught to yeah, do. Yeah, God gave me an F-cup talent. That's, that's a talent. <laughs> he gave me F-cup F- talent. Oh, my God. S-cup? Isn't that like the end of the alphabet? Wait a minute. Did you say F or S? I think she said F. 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 Like, S is in Sam. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Sam, those are big fucking tits. Holy cow. 
I'm a white cup. If I had S tits, I, I couldn't even walk out of the house. <laughs> Do wow. they have S tits? Is that legal? <laughs> legal? <laughs> I think they. I think they end at like at H or something like that. I think that's where it ends. Is okay. Like H. If you if you have beyond H, then you there's no hope. They don't even <laughs> they don't even bother. No. There's no chance of them ever at being. At that point, perky. I'm not even getting dressed. You can't move. You just live life in a moo moo. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, you can store a lot of stuff in there. There you so go. You, become you keep your own yourself. You, you you like quarters. You keep cell phones and spare money in your boobs and stuff. I've lost a lot of stuff in there before. I have. I've come home and like taken off my bra and like five dollar bills fall out. I found then, like, the Nissan, honey. Whatever I was eating that night. Nice. <laughs> a chicken is... leg. <laughs> Well, you know, I forgot about that chicken leg. (laughs) (laughs) So, I know we got plans. Not that I want to stop talking about boobs, but (laughs) it's the Howard Stern (laughs) show all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. So I I totally have sex with you. (laughs) I know, Denise. Dude, are you just trying to get laid over the show? No. no, This is a class act. It was until (laughs) I started the show. It was classy. Um, In the next couple of weeks, we have you. You're going to be giving us like a like an underground report on what's going on from like Georgia down. We've been talking about that. Maybe on the next show, you're going to be ready to. What are you going to be letting us know about? Let everybody know. Yeah, I'm a huge South Florida socialite, or I call myself the Hialeah socialite because this way I can wear flip flops and like totally get away with it. But basically, I get invited to a lot of stuff, and I unfortunately I can't go. But there's so many great local rooms that are tiny and awesome that people really should go. I mean, not just to support the local rooms and the local comics, but also to support the local business in the area with everything with the recession coming down and everything. You know, I saw you guys looking at the pictures. This is so They like it. (laughs) It's got very great. It's the red outfit. It helps us. It helps us dream. Yes. I think the red outfit really brings out the red and the tattoos. (laughs) We're animating it right now. We're (laughs) animating Is that what they call I couldn't get I I didn't know it was a dress. I didn't know. I should have known, but I was distracted. <laughs> Everybody's so funny. I like glasses. What? Yes, they were very people nice glasses. Are smart. I like smart people. They were very nice glasses. I yeah. know. They're Versace actually. Nice. For wow. noticing. Yeah, more money. They, they help you with sight. That's what they're good for. <laughs> That's right. So Yeah, so otherwise I'm blind. So what are some of the things you're going to be giving us to skinny about? Because you said it's going to be from Georgia and down. You know about what is it, a lot of open mic rooms or is it a lot of what do you give it? What are we going to be getting a feel on um, from you? There's a lot of open mic rooms that have recently opened up. Unfortunately, for some reason in South Florida, a lot of them closed down for a while, but a lot of new stuff is happening. There's also a lot of pre-book shows where they're really looking for local comics that haven't really done a lot of work. It's really giving a lot of local comics a chance to get on the stage and perform in front of a formidable-sized crowd. So I've got most of that stuff and then other larger shows that are more... They're pre-booked. They've got bigger headliners, but they're always still looking. And they do open mic shows during their week, like where they have missing stuff during the week, which is great because it gives a chance for people to come on and do what they do. That's awesome. Well, hey, we got Judy Carter on the line, so we're going to bring her in with you, Denise. Cool. Whenever you guys are ready, go ahead and bring her in. Judy, how are you? This is Dave with the Let's Be Frank show. Thanks for calling in. I want to let you know. How are you? 
Are you doing oh, good? Oh, my God. Well, I just had a dental surgery, so I'm just totally hysterical. <laughs> well, I'm happy oh. that you came in uh, or you're calling even after some dental surgery. What would you have done? Some crowns? What would you get done? I don't know. I think my um, dentist needed, you know, a payment on his mortgage, so I think he makes it up. <laughs> oh, you need some crowns. You need some fillings. I just think he makes it all this shit up. <laughs> well, why not? You know, God bless him. If he can get away why with not? it. If he can get away with it, man. Let me fill that in with some gold. We'll charge you extra. Dennis got to eat. Yeah. And apparently they eat well. <laughs> so, Judy, I want to introduce you to Paul Solio. Hi, Judy. And Kent Roberts, who are here in the studio. Hello, Judy. And I also have on the line a, a young lady, Denise Cortina, who's a comedian. She runs a little room, and she used to be in our military. So a lot of people were interested in really. A lot of people hey. were interested in hearing from you. So I wanted to give you the. I know you. You know one of the reasons why we first got in touch, and I wanted to have you on the show, is because I'm a relatively new comic, and I started going to some local workshops here, and I've just started reading more about comedy, and you have a very popular book amongst comics and you do a lot of great workshops so i wanted to you know get a little bit from you and find out what brought you to i know you started off in magic and made the switch to comedy so i wanted to find out what made you decide to take the switch and then how you you know went on past there well dave uh the uh switch came um Thanks to United Airlines, um, I, I had a, a an act at the time. I, it was the '80s, which we comics called the gravy train days. You know where, yep. boy, there was a lot of work and a lot of money to be made. I was on the road maybe 46 weeks out of the year, um, playing comedy clubs, playing uh, Playboy clubs. Uh, Hugh Hefner had uh, was a huge supporter of of singers and comics, and um, and then I I had a uh, one day where it was a big deal because Hugh Hefner was going to be at the gig, and my agent said, you know, Judy, this could be it. This is the big time. You know, really, 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 you know, be great, and. Um, I remember standing a baggage claim, and I had an act where I had sawing a man in half, and I mean, it was a comedy act, but it was, you know, I was, I had been a magician since the age of eight, and wow. uh, my my baggage, none of my baggage arrived, and I went to, I think it was in, it was Chicago, and uh, the club owner was uh, an Italian man. And uh, he made it very clear. He said, uh, I don't give, you know, care. Your, 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 tricks, your little tricks didn't show up. The man Hef is coming. You're going on. And um, I remember sitting in the bunny room crying and um, going, what am I going to do? Horrible stories. Sitting in a bunny room crying just sounds horrible. I wish I could be invited into a well, bunny room. Well, the bunny, room. I was crying into her breast and <laughs> and she goes, what's the matter? I honey, I go, what, what do you mean, what's the matter? You're dressed as a bunny. You're asking me what's the matter. <laughs> and uh, she, 
she then said, let me give you some advice. And I was thinking, you know, what is she going to say? Is she going to quote Aristotle? Is she, she said, um, you know, as long as you can love, you know, you'll stay alive. You will survive. She quoted, <laughs> that's right, Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and I've always been about finding the humor in situations. And I'll never forget that day because... I had to go on, and I just told them the story of my, my tricks not coming and, you know, of being honest, and I was a huge hit, and I continued um, working, um, and that's the night I switched to carry-on luggage, hmm. and I then began to realize that it's those horrible things that happen to you in life that are the funniest. And that's when I started to really realize how comedy uh, was transformational. And that's when I started to write my book, um, Stand Up Comedy, the book, and and uh, the Comedy Bible, and, and began to totally emerge myself into, you know, stand-up comedy because... Um, you know, it's, it's like amazing. You just stand there and you're funny and people pay you. There you go. And I always thought you had to do a huge show. You had to have props. You had to have, you know, like you had to do amazing things for people to pay you. And what an eye opener it is. To <laughs> I could do this with there. a, I could do this with a carry on bag. Nice. But I mean, it's nice. It takes a special person to be able to get up there and just do a show without all those props. It's not, it's had to be, I mean, I'm glad you took to it well on your first time, but I didn't do that beforehand. I personally just started doing comedy and I was scared poopless to be doing that in the beginning, you know. Uh, you get up there and, I'm, you know, it's it's a hard transition. It's hard to get up there and really be in front of people. Props almost, I think, for people in the beginning make it a little easier for them, but you know, it's yeah, it's a much different a feeling when you lose those props. So, it, it was, do you talk about that in your workshops about the difference between being a being a prop comic and not being a prop comic? You know, I think we all feel, every one of us feels that we're not enough, um, and that we have to do a lot of razzmatazz to make a living um, and to um, to have people take notice of us. And what an eye-opener it is for my students and for people to realize that who you are is enough. The little tiny details of your life are enough. You don't have to, uh, you know, do a show where you you know, have to reveal the most intimate sexual details of your life, that it's the little stuff that's enough. And I have, um, once I realized that, wow, what an eye-opener that it's not, it's really about being absolutely authentic to who you are what your experience is, and putting the comedy spin on it. Right. Um, and that's, 
that's awesome. Because the closer that comics can get to the truth of what it's like to be a human being um, <laughs> and have everybody relate and nod their heads and go, yeah, I get it. I mean, that's, that's to me what it's all about. So that's my journey. Awesome. Now, Paul, I know uh, you were saying you had a question or two or some quotes that you remember from the book. Oh, I do remember. Well, I, I read the book uh, before I ever got on stage. I was just, hey, stand-up comedy. There it is. How can you get more simple? And I, I remember there was a story, if I'm not mistaken, where uh, you – I don't know if it was an like an all-black audience or something about – or they were all blind. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but it would be – you said something about Kunta Kitty oh. on stage because you, <laughs> you, you were forced to improvise, I think. And I, just, I remember that story. I still laugh when oh, I read that. Oh, it for friends. It was <laughs> so funny. God, I can't. <laughs> it was <laughs> – nobody's going to understand all these references, you know. So, but they're going to be but, curious you know. to want to get the book. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> now they're going to say, we've got to read the book to find out what yeah. these guys Why are talking about. Why is she a about. racist or well, just very it, funny? <laughs> <laughs> or both. Or both. I was booked to, to open for Prince, and this was like really early on in his career, and, and it was before he was crossover, before white audiences were interested in him, and this is when, I guess it was back in, I guess it was in the 80s when... Um, you know, there were, like, black performers and white performers, and they had totally different audiences. It, was, it wasn't as assimilated as, as it was now. And so it was at a very hip club called the Roxy on Sunset Strip. And this was kind of a club where, um, uh, you know, uh, people made their de de debut. And, and there was Prince. And I'll never forget, my buddy Steve uh, Bluestein said, Judy, don't open for him. His audience has come down from coke by eating Jews. No, but Steve, I've had a lot of conversations with Steve Bluestein. He's a great guy, but that is totally his personality. That's hilarious. Yeah, he, he came out of... He's like, you're out of your mind to do this game. My whole life, I've always love a challenge you know if somebody says don't do it i'm going like let me figure out a way how to do it exactly and um that's what makes life exciting <laughs> you know it's not the the gigs that you remember you know that you remember that like you did greatest gigs like right. were like totally sucked that you totally remember <laughs> and, and makes life interesting so i i went to the roxy and there was um, a huge line to see him, and they had to wait in line for an hour. And I thought, I'll just stand out and pretend to be an accordionist and play Lady of Spain over and over and over to the uber-hip audience. And, and the line started to move, and they went, oh, my God, thank God we don't have to listen to this accordionist. It was, like, god-awful. They go in, they get situated, the audience. And I was the only white person there. <laughs> and they go, going on stage is Prince. And everybody's going like, wow, yeah. And then and opening the show, Judy Carter, and I came out with a accordion, and the whole audience <laughs> all said, all together, in one voice, oh, 
shit. And I had that in the palm of my hand. And after that, I became the opening act of every single um, black act that ever came through. It became like a thing. That's and great. So I say to you comics, you know, who are listening to this show, it's you learn the most from the tough kids, from the challenges, from the, you know, it's, it's what makes life interesting is, is, is when you're a feminist among cowboys or when you're a different ethnicity or when, when you know, you're uh, playing a very, you're, you're liberal and you're playing like a very conservative state. That's the stuff that makes, you know, this profession very, very interesting. Is like, how do you build a bridge to the people that you're playing to? Right. I and mean, I've always been a big bridge builder. And that takes a lot of, uh, takes a lot of effort, work, learning people, learning more about yourself. And as you said, being honest with yourself out there. Uh, and for, I know for a lot of the younger comics, I think, and I know for me, it takes a little bit more time to get to the point where you feel like you can really tell the stories about yourself because you're kind of limited in stage time and you got to do, you know, your best five or your best 10. And you're like, well, can I, I don't know if I could go on about a three or four minute story in that. So I know for me, it's hard for me to transition over to telling the stories. I don't, I don't know if Dornice, I'm sorry, if Denise or Paul or Ken have had any of those experiences. What do you guys think? Denise, have you had any of those uh, experiences, or did you start off telling stories? Oh, I definitely started off all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> My first room that I performed in was huge, and it was an all-black audience, and I was just scared to death. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And I was so nervous. I think I drank a little too much, and I went into <laughs> a story, and I got lost myself. I was confused. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I don't even remember what happened now. I'm just going to go. <laughs> like, I'm just going to drive home I waited after. I think after that for like a month Yeah, <laughs> I waited like a month after that before I went back on stage I was so petrified so what's your comedy like um, are, are you straight out you know I know you're a very blunt girl so do you tell stories now or <laughs> is your are I've you always just... been very blunt um, yes. I'm very blunt I do very I would, I would call it dirty comedy um, it usually involves my take on, on sex relationships um, pretty much anything that most people don't want to talk about is the first thing that I talk about. And I feel it catches people off guard. And then after a while, they're kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yes, because to like, look at you. It's kind of weird, but all right. <laughs> yes, because to look at you, you, you look like such a sweet little innocent child. I thought you were a librarian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you have more ink than anybody in this building combined, which is awesome. It's, it's a lot yeah, for your probably. personality and your bluntness. I think it, it fits good. I think if I did straight out, like, really calm, no cursing, very sweet comedy, people would be like, wait a minute, like, I want more. Because they see me and they're assuming yeah. that I'm already going to go somewhere. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what, I'll just run with what I look like and I'm just going to go there and then there won't be so freaked out. There you go. So, Judy, what kind of um, advice when you're in your, and I know you have some in New York, I think, you have a, a workshop coming up, right? Are you going to be in New York oh, soon? right. I'm doing this Saturday in Manhattan um, a um, a workshop. People can find out about it on comedyworkshops.com. It's 
plural, comedyworkshops.com. Um, I have a, um, like a gig on Thursday, 8 a.m. in State College, Pennsylvania. And right now what I'm doing is um, corporate comedy, um, where it's comedy with a message. Right. And you can't be at all dirty. And I was a totally filthy mouth comic, um, <laughs> totally talking about lower chakras and um, um, lower oh chakras. There was like an entire routine about a clitoris. It was I was like that, but I got tired of it, and I'm always looking for a new challenge. So I went like, how do you make people laugh who are at these? really boring corporate meetings and well you have to be totally clean. And and I'm not I'm talking like one time I was on a um plane to um one of my gigs in uh, uh Great Forks, North Dakota where I said, Oh geez and they went, We do not use that kind of language here <laughs> and, wow. and I didn't even know oh geez was dirty. I mean you know, I'm talking about Changing language from what the hell to what the heck. And he went, can I make people laugh? Can I really make people laugh without going there? And uh, it took me years to figure out how to do it. But I figured it out. And it's really what my new book, which is, um, I haven't written a book since 1990. Something, whenever the comedy <laughs> Bible came out. So uh, I have a new book coming out, which is really about this market where comedians can actually make a shitload of money. Um, and, and that's the problem. Like, comics will perform and, you know, be self, you know, like, true to themselves and express themselves, and that's fine. But they're not making a living. And I'm all about how funny people can make a living and get paid and buy a house and have a normal life um, without having to get a day job. So wait, you can be normal and, and be a comic? Is, I didn't know that. Nobody what? told. I said you could be normal and a comic. Nobody told me that. It's good to know. <laughs> I didn't say normal. Did I say that, babe? <laughs> you said a normal I life. I don't recall saying it was Didn't she say a normal life? I normal sure life, as hell yeah. am not normal. <laughs> so, that's, so that's what <laughs> you bring to your you workshops. Either. I've read some stuff about you, and I don't oh. think... I am far from say, normal. If you're normal, you're not funny, okay? Because you're <laughs> no, well, normal. I mean, I'm a normal fact. is conforming. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fat guy that does a whole bunch of fat guy self-deprecating humor jokes. So, you, you got to be a little—I don't know—narcissistic yeah, so and take, sarcastic. Dave, you take something that people normally hide, and you put it out there. That's not normal. And you know that's why? What it means to be a comic. And that's one of the reasons why I got on stage. And it actually, I do better with the ladies now. I'm like, you know what? When pe- it doesn't matter what I'm doing, and you know, you could say I'm being mean to myself or what. People see me, they're like, all right, this guy might but be... There's a message that... in that thing. Yeah. I mean, he's. I approach people and they think he's a big guy or he's a fat guy. So I embraced Fat Davey and I tell fat guy jokes and 
I don't worry about what people think. I just figure they think I'm a fat guy and I get away with doing whatever I want because, you know, he's a fat guy. He's harmless. But I'm not. I'm I'll evil. kill you. <laughs> That's scary. What were you going to say, not. Judy? If you take your message, if you take what that means, will you talk about, like, stop hiding who you are? There's, you know, stop. What you're doing is really taking a problem and turn it into a punchline. Right. And for civilians, that's a great lesson. That's a great go. lesson. So if you take like a defect, like, oh, I'm fat, it's a problem I've got to solve, and you find humor with it, and you actually make, have, have the courage to, you know, have a sense of humor about yourself, you know, that's, that's a valuable lesson for people. Right. And so if you, that's, and that's what my new book is about. It's called The Message of You. Um, you know, how to turn your life story into a money-making speaking career. And I got to tell you, if you've ever had a job or your listeners have a job and you see the kind of speakers that they hire to come speak to you, yep. um, what about stand-up comics who have a message? Yeah. And so that's what this is all about. It's about, you know, how to find the message of you and take and make an entertaining speech and bring it into corporate America where they are dying. They are dying to be entertained. They are dying to hear a message. They are, I mean, and, and if, if, if the stand-up comics listening to this can clean up their act put it in language, find their message, I mean, it's, it's just awesome. Right, People definitely. People comics don't know about this. They're all competing for these non-paying gigs at comedy clubs. And I'm saying, like, geez, you could be making 10000 a spot doing a corporate gig. Yeah. Wake up. And I was just talking to another guy, uh, a, a comedian in the area, Bull, and he was telling me about how uh, he he has a lot of clean material, and uh, he was telling me about some of the different church shows and events that he can do that, you know, have the potential to make very big money with some of those, which is I was kind of surprised by. Church has some money. Yes, they do. They can throw around. So yeah, I mean, it is an interesting. It's an interesting avenue, and I know, and I've, I've had some interviews, and I've talked to some people that have done the corporate comedy before, and they told me like what they do is obviously you got to you know who, whoever the client is going to be at the time you have those people and you have to learn a lot about them and maybe maybe they said they find some humor with the ceo and maybe play some jokes to get the people involved do you do that when when you're studying to whether you're talking about you know whatever the company would be from microsoft to Velveeta? you got to find out you know what's funny to them the inner parts of their company right that's exactly that's exactly what you do. I have a gig Thursday morning in Pennsylvania, eight a.m. Okay, that's an early meeting. Funny, funny time for a show. For a comic, that's normally sleep time. Ugh. I'm not. Oh, let me tell you, I I sometimes do a gig and I go to sleep and I wake up and I don't even remember. Till <laughs> eight a.m. is what I have to get up. Three a.m. L.A. time. I'm in L.A., so it's crazy. And I don't know. I don't know if around the country a lot of people know State College, but I do because I used to be 
in the manufactured housing industry, and we would have to go down to that area a lot. So it's actually very nice wow. out there and quiet. It's it's a cool little place. Oh, cool. Well, that's where I'm going, and I'm in for um, a home health care association. And I have to tell you, in every single city, there are thousands of meetings every single day, or maybe hundreds, maybe not thousands, depending if you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But there are meetings every day, and they all need somebody to get up in front of them and be a bit entertaining, have a sense of humor, and give them a little motivation. And so this is this is my new goal, Dave. My new goal is, like, I wrote the Comedy Bible, and I taught everybody and stand-up comedy the book, and I taught people how to dig into their life and turn it into stand-up comedy. And now my new book is going to be about, you know, finding your message, finding the meaning of your life, and making some money off of it. So I think that's important. I'm so sick that stand-up comics all have to have second jobs, that they all have to... Um, that they can't make a living off their talent. And that's been really bothering me. So l- let me ask you something. If somebody, obviously, if someone wants to find out more, they should take one of your workshops. But uh, in their own cities and as a comic, about how much time w- are you doing an hour in front of these people? How much material do you think someone has to prepare to to do that if they want to start looking into it to be prepared? Well, I you have to have 45 minutes to an hour gig. I mean, you have to have um, that. But what's different about doing uh, comedy in corporate events is that in a comedy club, you pretty much have to get a laugh every 10 seconds. So that means that you're not going to be doing stories. You're going to be doing set up, pay off, pay off, pay off, pay off, set up, pay off, pay off, pay off, pay off. Um, so that's the kind of rhythm that you need to get into if you're doing a comedy club. Um, because everybody, as well as we know, has a DD. No one has a you know, <laughs> big attention span. So you really got to, like, and they're get drinking up material and pay it off, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. Mm-hmm. However, in a corporate environment, you you don't have to do that. You can tell stories. Like, I would never tell a story at a comedy club. In this comedy club, I would do a set-up and pay-off, set-up, pay-off, set-up, pay-off. But in a uh, speaking arena, I can tell a story. I can go, um, I can get poignant. I can um, be a little more revealing. I can be a little more personal. And I don't have to constantly get a laugh every 10 seconds. And that means that I can really communicate a little deeper with my audience. And I've been really enjoying that, really enjoying that. Cool. That's awesome. Um, Do you get to pick and choose a little bit? Because, you know, like you're doing, this show is going to be in reference to home health care. Now, home health care is something that may have already or can easily affect everybody's life. So I would imagine you, you, can, you, know, you can touch base on how things that they've done may have already helped or played a part in your own life or family, relatives, or members. Do you use that kind of stuff when you're doing the corporate gigs? Well, I, 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 I
Well, before I do any kind of engagement, I always like talk not only to the planning committee, but to I always ask, and I have a number of like three people in different areas, and I listen to their stories, and I ask them one question. I say, what is a bad day? And then they will you know, talk to me about HIPAA uh, regulations. They'll talk to me about um, uh, dealing with um, uh, really difficult clients, dealing with families, all that stuff, and they'll tell me their stories. And then as what I do is I present their stories back to them. I don't talk about myself. I really talk about the audience. And right. and that makes me hit home every time with my humor because I'm telling their story back to them. And they just go, oh, my God, yes, that's happened to me. Oh, my God, yes. We had a nurse who we sent out, and, and she just watched porno at the client's, client's house. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> you know, oh, my God, yes, we're dealing with people who have pit bulls. We have to send nurses out there. Oh, my God, yes. And so, you know, you hit home because you're, you take, I take the time to make my show about the audience and who doesn't like to hear about themselves. Right, so definitely. It's sort of a guarantee um, because most comics miss the mark. They, they get on stage and I'm going to talk about me. And sometimes you can get very successful doing that. I mean, I remember Larry David. I mean, Larry David, if you told me he was going to be a billionaire, you know, the, the most successful um, comedy writer and comic, I'd go, you're out of your mind. Because <laughs> Larry would make sure the audience didn't get him. If, if there was a Mormon audience, he'd come in and just talk about, you know, Jewish jokes. I mean, Larry had a thing about, like, I am just true to myself. And my God, he got very successful at that. He he had like a very intense persona, and he kept to that, and he honored that, and he, you know, and, and he was a genius. Um, but for the most of us, um, we don't um, have that opportunity. Very few people get to hit their mark with their persona. Um, and so I have found that, that taking my talent and adapting it to be about the audience has been my ticket to success. So, you know, there's, there's different ways to go. Awesome. What, what is, um, your favorite part of performing? And I know, I know you were scheduled to do about a half hour with us. We're coming up on that. Are you going to stay on with us a little bit longer? I don't want to keep you over. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Like I know, I, I started off just doing comedy, and you know, while I was still an open micer, I got offered to do the radio show, and there's sometimes I almost find that I enjoy the show more than the comedy, and I enjoy the chase of you know tracking down great people to talk to and different comedians to have in the studio. Do you find sometimes that you like the workshops more than the actual comedy gigs? Hmm. Well, it's hard to compare. I mean, I I do have a thing, maybe I'm codependent or whatever, but I do 
really dig when I'm doing my workshop and somebody is scared to death to, to perform and they have a breakthrough and I'm part of that and they like someone who is so shy and so scared and they're in my, one of my workshops and they get on stage and they, they you know, um, start a, a, they start on a roll and you can see that they will remember that moment for the rest of their friggin' life. That's awesome. You know, that, that they, they have that moment. And all you comics listening on this, you know, radio show know that moment where you connect with the audience, the audience is so with you, and you are rolling. You are rolling, and it's magic, and everything coming out of your mouth is perfect, and you are in sync <laughs> with the people in front of you, and, you know, it's better than sex. Everybody who knows <laughs> this experience knows that nothing can compare with being in the groove <laughs> and rolling with your material and talking to an audience. Nothing, it's like... It's a definite high. It's, it's a high. It's, it's hot. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So... Yeah. And I, I have more I of those. A, I, get, I get a chance. What? I was going to say I have more on stage uh, experiences that were great than I have sexual encounters. So I definitely enjoy those more. <laughs> 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 you know, I get on at least one stage a week. I can't say I get that much sex once a week. <laughs> at least not with a partner anyway. <laughs> well, but, you know, this is the problem of like of us comics. Working, um, you know, in the 80s, like when Coke was around and everything, the comics would, you know, you're on stage and you have a gig and you're doing the 8 a.m., the 8 p.m. show, and then you're done and you have that experience. And I know that I learned that the only way to go from there is down. Like, you've got to, like, come down. Right. But then there were the comics who were chasing the high and kept trying to get something further. And there's nothing. And they ended up, you know, on drugs or right. gambling debts. And I don't want to mention names, but there was, like, a whole thing about that. But I learned that that was dangerous because there's no bigger high than on stage in front of that audience. There yeah. is just isn't. You, I, got, you gotta come down. You, I, gotta, you, you can't you can't top it. You can get like twenty hookers in your room. It, it, it won't work. It just It'll it, be fun it, though. You can set up lines of coke, you can have hookers, what it just won't work. You, I know when I'm when I have twenty women it, fondling me I'm like, ah, I'd rather be on stage. Uh, yeah. if I could only have twenty one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I could have twenty one it would have been good. Yeah, oh, good. One more hooker will yeah. one yeah. more Push me over One the edge. More but but I will say, when I get off a stage um, and I have a good set, 
I'm awake for hours. It doesn't matter. Even when I leave the show, yeah. and this has been a great show, I know I'm going to go home, yeah. and i got to listen to the whole thing again, and I'll be up for two or three hours, and it doesn't matter. It's just you leave psyched and hyped up, and it's, as you said, you attribute it to Coke, but <laughs> it is. It's it's an energy rush. You really do. You feel great. There's a lot of people and you know, comedians from all over, people that have been sick. The second they step out on stage... It all goes away, just like singers and everybody else. It's that as soon as you get on stage and that bright-ass lights hit you and you feel like you're cooking, it's, it all goes away and you're just feeling like a bundle of joy and ready to, you know, have a good time. You know, at least that's what I feel. I taught a class, I, I taught a class with people at AIDS, living with AIDS, you know, and they did a set. And most of them lived longer than was even expected. There it's, you go. It's just the endorsements. It's, it's it makes life worth living. I mean, it gives you that rush, that high, that amazing, amazing feeling. You know, and and you and you got to know. <laughs> there's nothing better. So to me, experiencing that, I have time to my life. Maybe even twenty years ago, a set. I have those moments, and they'll always be a part of me. You know, they will always be a part of me. That kind of rush, what it feels like. I mean, I, I got to go on stage. Um, I was uh, speaking with President Clinton in Toronto, and it was an audience of 8,500 people. Wow. And I'm doing a show for an hour. And to get a laugh from 8,500, because uh, what 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 you're really doing is channeling that energy. That energy comes through you and back out, and you're playing with energy. And you know you don't sleep for a week after that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you ask me, what do I enjoy? I enjoy that, and I also enjoy giving that experience to somebody else. Seeing seeing somebody who. Maybe he's a little unsure of themselves. Maybe doesn't know that they have talent. And sh- showing them, giving them like a little peek at that magic. Because, you know, let's face it, that's, that's what it's all about, you know? Definitely. I agree 100%. Judy, we are down to about the last four, four and a half minutes or so of the show, maybe three. I like to give everybody the op- the, the engineer just held up three. I just lost a minute. But I like to give everybody the opportunity to do a, a couple of shameless plugs at the end of the show. Um, so the first off, I want to give yeah. you the opportunity to do some shameless plugs. And I want to you know, thank you very much for spending some time and some knowledge and letting people know what's going on and you know, just other avenues to think about. I don't know how many com- comedians have actually thought about doing uh, the... Uh, corporate gigs so let people know where they can find you again i know they have judycarter.com and workshops.com what other cities are you going to be coming to over oh. the next well i'm coming to uh, new york on saturday uh for a comedy workshop and that's just going to be awesome and you can find out about that at comedyworkshops.com comedyworkshops plural dot com if you want to know more about corporate comedy and the potential of that, um, 
you can see my own corporate site at judycarter.com, which, you know, I created a site and you can see clips of me, you know, doing my thing there and, and, and see if it's this sort of thing for you. But I'm trying to create a community of people, of comics, of funny people, um, and, and, and help people get comedy buddies, because I don't think you should do comedy alone. And, and that's all available on my site. People can join my mailing list. I, I'm all into, like, <laughs> because I'm older now, you know, I'm into, like, uh, being kind of the mother of comedy. Like, come, comics, come suckle at my breast. The momity. I'm about giving it away. <laughs> giving it away. <laughs> I'm thirsty, <laughs> Judy. You know, <laughs> Let I'm, me suckle your teeth. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of gross. Is that kind of gross? I, I like don't know, it. but it's like, I really want to help people because I just—I've been so lucky to have like built an entire house and have a, you know, from doing this, mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful to everybody who bought my book. And so I'm—I know that when you're a comic, you feel alone, and you're not exactly someone who has great social skills. So, <laughs> so I'm Great. create a community to help to help people who are funny and want to do something about it and have a dream of being a comic. So, all right, that is awesome. That's my shameless plug. There you go, <laughs> Paul. Do you have? Thank you, Judy. Paul, do you have any gigs coming up? I do tomorrow at uh, Side Splitters. At Side Splitters in, in, in Tampa. In Tampa. All they're right. going to be doing. I'll be emceeing. I'll be hosting this. Their Nickelodeon's going to be in town. They're they're get they're scouting funny moms. Nice, that's awesome. And, and you uh, got picked out for Nickelodeon. They, they probably did not read your bio. I guess not. Well, I'm just hosting. I'm not. I'm not in the contest. <laughs> but I get to you know scout for cougars. Where do people and, can they find you on Facebook and Twitter? Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you go to paulsdeep.com, not you, balls deep. Paul's, Paul's deep. deep. Nice or Paul Solio, but nobody. Would remember that. So yeah, paulsdeep.com Paul's is pretty good. My Facebook and Twitter is on there. All right, great. My schedule. Kent, you got anything coming up? Any good guests on your show? No, I'm <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> I have nothing. Been a great night. I have nothing going on, and I have nothing in my future. Great. But I have an amazing God. past. More no, I. I'll, I'll, I'll plug my. Uh, I'll plug my. I'll plug my two uh, Facebook. Man, if you had been there six months ago. No, uh, Facebook slash TGI Kent, like TGIF, TGI Kent, and Facebook.com slash uh, Comedy Sandwich. Nice. That's your show, the Comedy, Comedy Sandwich. Sandwich. is my show, 7.30 Mondays on ComedySlamRadio.com. And, and you do TGI great Kent interviews show. like I do with comedians. Yes. And other there guests. And other guests. And other uh, guests, yes. And I know she's been quiet out there, but Denise, give us a shameless plug. I am yeah, give us a shameless plug for our how, how do you follow Judy's like suckling teeth of comedy? Talk about your You could talk about your tattooed teats of comedy. <laughs> there you go. Oh no. All right, that well, is so inappropriate. Well, where can they? <laughs> yeah, this starts to get like, really yeah. gross. Yeah. Now. All right. Hell, whoa. <laughs> we got about a minute left, Denise. So tell I know, us. I need to. Tell us where you can, where they like can get the. I a comedy strip club. I think that'll work. Give us your webcam address. Yeah. And yes, be... the website address and the webcam. <laughs> Can we get the webcam? What's it at? Artistic Vibe? What's the it's website? www.artistic-vibes.com. That's our website address for the shows. 
we have coming up that I'll be emceeing on the 18th, which is going to be the Falls District Gallery Walk. It's a really cool gallery walk. They have little trolleys that come and take you around food with food trucks and stuff like that. And we'll have a show going on that night as well. It starts at 7. You can find more information on the website. And then, of course, you can find me on Facebook at Denise Cortina. And I'm also on Twitter. All my stuff is on my Facebook information. And then I'll be emceeing the Get Laid Art Attack on June 4th. Great. That one sounds interesting. Uh, I want to thank everybody for calling in. That's it's a Hawaiian theme. Nice. Hawaii. Well, they have a lot of heart attacks, right? <laughs> spam fried rice. That'll do it. There you go. I'm going to be myself. I have a lot of other great shows coming up here. I don't like to give them away too good, though. But uh, we have Bobby Collins co- calling in towards the end of the Yay. month. And uh, myself, I'm going to be at uh, Coconuts Comedy Club this Thursday. And I might be out at uh, Splits and Giggles in Largo um, on the 25th of this month but i want to thank everybody for stopping by the station and calling in judy thank you you very much for spending time with us denise thank you for talking about your boobs and your tattoos it was entertaining and thank you guys kent and paul for for coming in thank you thank you judy thank you very much for spending some time with us we really appreciate the uh the time and the knowledge thank you kent (laughs) all right all right everybody thank you very much for tuning in this has been another great show with let's be frank And we'll be speaking to everybody again soon. Have a great night. Thank you, listeners. What was that? I'll tell you what that was. That was another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com, where we put the dot-com in 